Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. How many's got a Bible open in your hand? Or are you just saying you're there? Mr. Jim is 70 plus years old holding up a Bible app. Now, come on now. <laughs> Lord of mercy. They got to make an app that sounds like paper turning. Because, see, we don't hear the paper turning. I don't believe nobody's got the Bible. You got the Bible on your phone? No, <laughs> All right, John chapter 17. I'm good. Thank you. You ready? All right. She said, thank you. All right, John chapter 7. 17, I'm sorry. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you've sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. They may be one just as we are one. I in them, and you in me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Now, we started this two weeks ago, so this is actually my third time uh, uh, preaching on this. I want to, I, I really did a lot of recapping Sunday morning of what we did last Wednesday night and then went into some other stuff, but I went through it so fast um, at the end of, of the message on Sunday that I want to go back. I really want to cover three things tonight. And so tonight I would call, um, we would really title this uh, hurdles or, or you, you would call it stumbling blocks or walls that prevent us from becoming one. How many knows from this verse of Scripture? Listen, we've said this, but, but you did not join. This is not a corporate structure. This is a church. It's a family, okay? Hammy knows that in, if we're going to be family, we're going to have to learn how to deal with stuff because we all got it. Think about this. You was raised in a dysfunctional home. I was raised in a dysfunctional home, and we all come together. We got one big dysfunction. So we got to learn how to deal with all of our stuff. Some of you have the privilege of being raised in a great home, and I was raised in a great home, so I'm not saying it was. But how many know there's not a perfect home? And so we're all uh, trying to get better. So um, let's go to uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. I want to look at this uh, verse of Scripture here. It says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Look at this. If it is possible... As much as depends on you, there's a lot riding on me to live and walk this thing out. I can't expect uh, Travis to walk it out for me. There's In our relationship, uh, uh, there's a lot riding on me and there's a lot riding on you. And he says, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And this was the first one. We went through this kind of quick that... We don't trust people. Ultimately, the real deal is if we've been hurt, how many's ever been hurt in church? Raise your hand. If you ain't, you ain't been to church long enough, just wait, it's coming. How many has been in church for 10 plus years say it's coming? It's coming. So ultimately, we don't trust people. But listen, just because I've been stabbed in the back by one person doesn't mean the next person's going to do it. And it's impossible to have a relationship with that person if I'm always looking at them through eyes of suspicion, waiting on them to stumble or waiting on them to get me at any moment. Could it be that that person really loves me for who I am and just wants fellowship with me? See, the will of God is, is that we would all come in here and we would let our walls down. You and I build up walls. We build up walls because we believe we're safe behind them. Have you ever come, went up to an individual and tried to hug them and all of a sudden you're like, or you try to talk to them and it feels like your words are just dribbling down to your feet? That's because there's a wall up. And the reason why people put walls up is because they've been hurt in different areas of their lives. I, I know what it's like to have a pastor to fail me. Listen, I used to think that certain men of God, uh, I used to think that uh, literally they were um, seraphims. 
or cherubims. I remember one certain minister, I told Catherine, I will never speak in that man's presence because that's where I thought he was at. And as I got, what you say, climbed the totem pole, if you will, I realized at the top, he was just a man just like me. Are you with me? And so the deal is, is that God wants us not to live in walls. God wants us to find our connection point. And every person may not connect. You may not connect to everybody, but there's someone in this room that has really what you need on the inside of them. And you have what they need on the inside of you. And the will of God is, is that you will let all of those walls down, find that place, release the river that's in you, and allow that person to release the river that's in them into you your life, and then we won't walk through dry seasons. All right, so look at that. Let's, let's look at this. <coughs> I want to save some time for the last one, but Psalm 68, 6 says this, that he sets the lonely into families. God has a family and a tribe that He wants us to connect to and then we're to get in that place and experience life. Probably one of the greatest messages that I preached here in 2015 was the series that I did on retooling the ship and when I preached on membership. Membership is not attending a church. How many knows you can be here every Wednesday, every Sunday, look at the Facebook page every night, but, but not be in community with us? Community is when life is being exchanged. And God said He sets the lonely into families. But look at what it says. It says that basically to the wanderer dwells in a dry land. So God wants us to find our place. Listen, when He said, how many knows this? The writer of Hebrews said that forsake not to assemble yourselves. We heard that quoted a lot. Forsake not to assemble yourselves, even so as we see the day approaching. Well, how many knows this? That uh, when you assemble something, to assemble something, each piece has to go together. So God's not talking about us just not going to church. He's saying forsake not to assemble yourself. So God wants us to be assembled. Acts 17, 26 says God chose where I would live. He chose the time where I would be born into the earth. Are you with me? He chose when I would be born into the earth. I could have been born with John Wesley, but he chose on May the 2nd of 1979 that I would enter into the earth. I came in the 70s and to close him, but I came in the 70s. So he chose that, and now, now check this out. It also says that he chose the breadth of my dwelling. So in other words, he, showed, he, he could have put me in Spokane, Washington. Are you with me? He could have put me in Yakima, Washington. How many knows that's where I, Carly's grandpa, lives? Y'all ain't got no kids? Huh? <laughs> Mr. Billy told me, I, Carly, it's on Disney Channel, okay? Or Nickelodeon, whichever one it was. <laughs> See how, but he chose where I would live. So if he chose where I would live, listen, this is how precise God was about choosing your family. You don't really choose your church whether you won't go to the, a church that's made out of brick. God chooses your family. And listen, when they crossed the River Jordan, they didn't just cross it just haphazardly. They were all a part of their clan and their family, and they marched in order to cross that River Jordan. Now, the second hurdle. We spent some time on this in the last uh, little bit, but go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. <laughs> Jesus said this. Then he said to his disciples, I'm in verse 1, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him, if he had a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then that he should offend one of these little ones. It is impossible, but no offenses should come. Now listen to this. How many knows that as we do life together in this place, that it is impossible for all of us not to have the opportunity to be offended? It's impossible for us not to have the opportunity to be offended. One of the reasons why we get offended is because we really have false expectations of other people. So if, if a per, I don't feel like a person's meeting my need or the expectation what you have of me to be done, then all, you'll become offended because I don't meet that expectation. So um, 
um, what was that? That was, I'm going to read this verse of scripture I was given um, right before service. And so it's a good verse. It's in Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. So I do believe that um, David said that he could have handled it if it had been down at the club but it was with the people that he went to the house of God with. It was sad is that we do do each other wrong. Let's admit that in here. We do do each other wrong. But at the end of the day, what we have to choose is not the behavior of the person, but we choose to love the person beyond the behavior. Listen, we have to have the ability to see beyond the behavior. If Joey starts cutting up tonight, I know that's not the Joey that I know. Come on now. Are you with me now? If John was to backslide tonight, because we Pentecostal, he can backslide. Come on. If he was to backslide tonight, we know that that's not the John we know. So what we have to have is eyes to look beyond his behavior to see what God saw in him before the foundations of the world. And what we have to do is we have to extend forgiveness to him. Are you with me now? Forgiveness doesn't mean I trust, but it releases you of the punishment I think you deserve. When somebody does us wrong, what we do is we become a warden because a prison has to have a warden. And we become a warden watching them, waiting on them till they get the punishment that they deserve. But here's the deal. Jesus took every bit of your punishment on the cross. And so listen, if he could look at the very ones that he came to lay his life down for while he was hanging on the cross and say, Father, forgive them. I feel the Holy Ghost for they do not know what they would do. How can you and I hold something against one another? This prevents us from from exchanging life. Here's how we know we're offended. We'll start shunning one another. I had somebody tell me, we said, well, I'm glad we ironed this out so that we don't have to dip behind the aisle if we see one another at Gander Mountain. Are you crazy? I'm not fixing to hide behind the counter. These, this, man, this is a deep subject that really, really, uh, to do it justice, you would spend weeks on it. Um, so let's look at this. So, okay, we know it's going to happen, right? You can count on it. It's going to happen. Now, so let's look at Matthew 18. So if it's going to happen, we got to know how to deal with it. Matthew 18. I'm going to talk to you just for a minute on how to settle the account, how to settle accounts. Then I'm going to give you the third one. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Up to seven times. Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Are you kidding me? That now, now Jesus is fixing to go into preaching a parable to him. He's fixing to teach him something about the kingdom. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wants to settle accounts with the servants. And when he had begun to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had and the payment be made. Must owe money to the IRS. Look at this. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I'll pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denario. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw, um, saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you. All the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? 
And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due him. Look at verse 35. This is very important. This is written in red. This is the words of Jesus. Are you with me? So my heavenly Father also, look at this, so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his what? Heart. Sometimes what I have found to forgive people, I got to do it here several times before my heart ever catches up with it. It's a choice. And what I found, the most, the people that I'm ticked off with is living life fancy free. I'm the only one bothered by it. So really the one that is in prison is not the one you're trying to get there, but it locks you in prison. A fence puts me behind the fence. Now look at what he said. Jesus said, So shall my heavenly Father will do to each of you from his heart, uh, to you, if you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now check this out. The first one owed a bunch of money. The second one owed a small amount of money. The first one was forgiven of much, and the second one just need to be forgiven a little bit. Now, let me just translate to you and I. I don't know about you, but I got a past, friend. I've been forgiven of much. Come on, is anybody else in this room? And what he's saying is, I forgave you of all of that, and you're holding on to that little bit right there that that person's done against you. You have no right to hold on to that little bit when I forgave you of the whole amount. And what he's saying is tormentors will come to torment your life in fear, sickness, and disease if you don't forgive. I know people, listen, I'm gonna, people always get mad about, listen, you can't take every case, okay? We ain't got hymnals in here for you to throw, thank God. And you ain't tall enough to get the projector to throw it, you know what I'm saying? But I know this, people have been healed of arthritis, and crippling diseases when they released forgiveness. Because what's happening is that poison that's on the inside is starting to afflict your natural body. It's, it really is poison. So, so what we have to learn how to do is, we first of all, we know we got to settle the account. Now Jesus just told us, listen, if you don't get the account settled, you're offended, and the tormentors are coming. So you know that's, that's the deal. Jesus said it, it's going to happen. Now let's look right here. Now we got to forgive him, not 70 times, but 7 times 70. And we always say this, well, I really didn't care about the person to start with. If you didn't care, you couldn't get offended. You care, that's why you are offended. You, a person that you don't love can't offend you. If the dude standing on the street corner said, John, you fat and ugly, I'm walking on. You know what I'm saying? But if my wife stood up and said, you fat and ugly, that's going to hurt me. And we say we, we was raised up to much sticks and stones may break, but we're, well, listen, words do hurt. Words cripple people. Words keep people in prison. There's people in prison right now in their own heart because the words were spoken of your past. Hello, words do hurt. They do matter. Words are life. They're life and death that come out of your mouth. The Bible says they who love will eat the fruit of it. We're framing our world by what we speak. Come on, somebody. There's life that's coming out of our mouths. All right, now look at this. Uh, Matthew uh, 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, this is where we make the mistake. I went in this Sunday. The easiest way to stop backbiting. Anybody had any back marks on you? Huh? Anybody ever been bitten? Y'all ain't been in churches I've been in. I've been bit a few times. <clears throat> and the way people bite you now, because but I really won't break it down. They ain't really ain't got to blow the belt, so they'll put it on the internet. This is what I told Matt today. I said, listen, I guarantee you John Wesley had a hundred critics. 
I guarantee you Charles Spurgeon had a thousand critics. Nobody remembers the critic. They just remember Charles Spurgeon. Hello. Anybody that's going to shake history is going to have a bunch of critics. Martin Luther King had a lot of critics. We don't remember them, but we do remember Martin Luther King. Hello. So it says, listen, if somebody sins, you got to go to your brother. How we stop that in the church is when Andy comes to me talking about Emmett, I just simply grab Andy and walk in front of Emmett and say, well, now what did you say? <clears throat> I said, Pastor, you know, when we're going to eat again? That'll stop that. Listen to me. How many knows that sometimes what you hear, you hear, you hear really what you're already prepared to hear sometimes? Huh? And so, so the Bible says that I'm to go to him. Listen, and when I go to him, the motive of my heart should be that I want the relationship above everything else. I have lost relationships since I've been in the ministry. Is anybody else? I have lost really two relationships that we decided that, listen, they cannot be restored. There is some things you take to the restoration shop, they say it can't happen. <laughs> And so this is what we did. Well, I'm going to love you. You're going to love me. But we agree and to disagree. But I know that what I have to know at the end of the day that I did everything within my heart to make it right. So the goal here is when you go to them, the goal can't be that, listen, pride makes you feel like you got to be right. Am I the only one in this room that likes to be right? Am I the only one like to say, told you so? But the goal, listen, that's not the attitude of the heart when you go to the brother. You go to the brother in brokenness. Listen, if two people can get in brokenness, a lot of things can get repaired. Are you with me? So the goal is that you're going for the, for the sake of the relationship. That's held above everything else. If you wrong me, the relationship's worth more than what was wronged. Now, second of all, if they won't hear you, then it says you are to go get two or three. This is not your friends. This is mature believers in the church that can be a rightful judge of the situation. Now, if we bring three people in, we got three mature believers, and we're going to meet Cleve. And the Bible says then he cannot hear. He still can't hear. We bring him before the church. We're in the book of Matthew chapter 18. If he still can't hear, we open the back door and eject him out of the church. He said, no, what I'm saying. I got a different translation, y'all. Listen, I, ain't never, I really ain't never seen nobody ejected out of the church. I've seen a few I'd like to eject, but I've never seen. <laughs> but I think that has happened here. Listen. So here's the deal. Number one, the older we get, listen, this should be a motto right here. I'm going to settle the account fast. We do not need to, when the, when the offense happens, you do not need to lay over it and mull over it for two or three days. Are you with me? Now here's the deal. We, we found this out if, um, in, in travel baseball. This is one of the things that if you got a problem with the coach, you can't see him for 24 hours. Because you don't need to go see the coach 30 seconds after he sets your kid down. Give it 24 hours and watch you, you. But here's the deal. What you don't need to do is wait if it's, been a, if it's been a month ago and you're still talking it to your inner circle. Now what's happened is a seed that just was something that could have been dealt with real easy now has grown into a bitter root inside of you. Are you with me now? And once you have a bitter root, I'm telling you, you are spoiling every apple that is connected into your vine. Are you with me? Now, let's go right here to James chapter 3. I want to deal for the next 20 minutes on this. And uh, James chapter 3, verse 13 says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Now look at verse 14. This is, man, I, I remember I was probably 21 years old when the Lord really put this into my heart. Look at this. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, 
do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from, the, from above, but look at this. It is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Are you kidding me? Now, I'd have thought he would have said, if you had got witch doctors, a brothel, and a crack house, every evil thing is there. Now, look what he said. He said, where envy is and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing is present. Let me tell you what to kill the family. Self-ambition. You know what self-ambition is? That means you ain't found who God made you to be, so you want to be somebody else. But when you find out how great God made you, you'll never desire to be anybody else. Hello. You're the only one with your thumbprint. You were, according to Psalms 139, you are wonderfully and fearfully made in the image of God. There's no one like you else in the whole world that exists. God made you because he needed you. Self-seeking is I'm not excited about what God has for me, so I want what somebody else has. Self-ambition. Self-ambition goes to the church ladies. Well, I tell you what, I preach circles around him. Well, if you could, you would. And what I found, listen, God, God chooses who he chooses. All right. Now, he said, where self-ambition and envy are, every evil thing exists. This little crazy thing called envy. One of the best books you can ever read is written by Bob Sorg, and it's called The Envy, The Enemy Within. And when I find this, when I go into, when I get this feeling that it'll always come for me because I'm elite, because I'm, I guess because I'm a pastor, um, um, Stephen know what I'm talking about. It almost feels like you're trying to, you're trying to fight for the reins. You feel like there's someone else is trying. I don't know. I have felt it sometimes before. I told Catherine I've been in places where I felt something was trying to grab my throat. And, and, and it wasn't really Jezebel as much as it was a self-ambitious spirit that was there trying to have, you know what, I, I never asked for any of this to start with. You follow what I'm saying? I never asked God one time, please let me preach the gospel. I do ask Him to let me preach good sometimes. But God chose me. Are you with me? Are you with me? He, he, he chose me to do what I'm doing. And so um, envy is this. Here, here's how envy is. It's amazing how many things can lie dormant in our heart till opportunity gives. Opportunity. Listen, if someone wins the lottery and they go, let's say, friends, someone is a, let's just use this for example. Um, if you win the lottery tonight, okay, and and. You, you run off with the money and you don't give none up for the kingdom. Listen, that, that, the, the money did not cause you to do that. The money gave you opportunity to do that. Are you with me? So, so a lot of times God gives us tests or bumps us into each other and what he's doing is really he's trying to give us a check of what's already in there. Now, envy is simply this. It is the secret pain you feel at your brother's success. That's good. It is the secret pain you feel at your brother's success. Now listen here. God does not do hey, listen, God does not reward in secret. He rewards in openly. Listen to me. God rewards openly what has already been done in secret. Are you with me? So here's how envy does. Listen, what God does, listen, envy is not an issue amongst fathers. It is an issue amongst brothers and sisters. You never hear a father, listen, if Jesse was to go out tonight, okay, let's say, for instance, Jesse, he hits the big time overnight, okay? He's got 20 crews. He's down there. I mean, he's building everything from Panama City down to Miami. You know what I'm saying? And he's running. Steve is not going to sit back and say, my God, I cannot believe this little punk outrun me. Huh? You know what I'm saying? Listen. Listen, I didn't I didn't hit I didn't hit home runs I was in Pony League. 
Grant hits home runs now. You know what I'm saying? When he he hit a he told his mom on Valentine's Day, he said, My first at bat, I'm going deep. He hit her a home run. Listen, I ain't go, I didn't call him and say, Oh my God, take his bat from me. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, whose kid is that? What's that on the bank? That's Bagley. That's my boy. Listen, so envy is an issue of brothers. Now check this out. God will bless us openly right here in front of uh, right here in front of each other to test what's in our heart. Listen, when Samuel rode up to Jesse's house with the ram's horn of oil, he didn't say, would you go get David and bring him back here in the back closet and let's pour out God's destiny over his life. What he did was bring all the brothers up front and he highlighted one. That's the whole, I feel it. God will always do that. Listen, and Eliab, who was the oldest, who thought he had it, but where was Eliab at? He was in the house. David was not in the house. He was in the field. He was in the field worshiping God by night as a shepherd's boy. So when he goes down to the Valley of Elah with crackers and cheese because Jesse sends him down there to go check on what's happening on the front lines in 1 Samuel 17, he gets down there and Eli says, I know your heart. I know how jealous you are of us. Listen, that wasn't in David's heart. That was in his heart. And what I found a lot of times in family, I've been accused of trying to control people. And everything. I had a man one time to meet me. He called me, and I knew he was hot. So there was no way I was fixing to meet him by myself at the church. I said, meet me at the huddle house. At least we're going to have some people in here in case we have to throw down. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to have proof that I didn't throw the first one. You know what I'm talking about? This man, the first, so, so I'm sitting there trying to eat my grits and eggs. And I'm I'm trying I'm giving my life, man, for the work that we planted over there in Alma, and and so but and, and his his but it, his wife his wife came to me and she said this is about the seventh church I've been into and no one recognizes my gift and I told her I said if I'm the seventh leader that you've come to serve and I and I haven't recognized your gift it's probably because your gift doesn't exist. Oh. When I said that, did the things change? So then, the, you know, about a week later, I noticed them. Now they're from the front, they to the back. So they're going to call me at the huddle house. And so this is, this is, this is, so he, I sat down, and I'm human, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not where, where I was back then, thank God. I've, I've, I've progressed a little further. So he opens his letter, and this is the first thing he says. He says, you have, a, you, you have the most controlling spirit I've ever been around. I felt, you know, my blood pressure just bottomed out, went high all at the same time. My cheeks got red. And then I told him this. I said, that, um, I said, first of all, let me tell you something. That's not my heart. That's your wife's heart. And you don't have the kahunas to go set your wife down. And so he folded his letter up, and he said, this is what he said. He said, no, nice, I'm just leaving. I said, no, you, ha- you had the nerve to write it on paper. I'm going to sit here and eat my eggs. You read everything you got on your paper. But here's what I'm telling you. Envy is, envy is the thing with inside of our hearts that when we hear, and it's just like this, I'm asking God to bless me. I'm asking God, would you please bless me? And all of a sudden, that the thing that I'm praying for the most that Cleve ain't even praying about, God will show up and hand it to him just to test the condition of my heart. To see whether I can be where I can celebrate his success. Listen, if one of us in this room makes it through, do you understand this? If one of us in this room gets breakthrough, that breakthrough is available to every person in this room. If we handle it right. If Dusty gets a breakthrough this year and he's only made thirty thousand dollars and he breaks through in the ninety thousand, listen, he just broke through. He broke through for all of us if, if we steward that and we celebrate his success. But this is what well, I wonder what Dusty's doing wrong. He's probably selling dope on the side. Y'all ain't never been in places like that, do you, huh? When somebody becomes successful, we wonder what they're doing wrong to get it when sometimes God just has blessed them through seasons. All right, let's move on. I got, I got, I'm just going to be able to hit the highlights of this. Envy, envy is iniquity of the heart that is not seen until occasion calls it forth. The promotion of our friends and brothers will always reveal our hearts toward them. 
Remember this, I always, every time I preach on this subject, I show the clip off a of Toy Story 2. You remember that Andy was the sheriff. Andy was, I mean, uh, 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 Woody. Woody was the sheriff. He was the favorite toy that Andy had. And all of a sudden, you'll see in Toy Story 2 that he gets for his birthday, Buzz Lightyear. And all of a sudden, listen, that the room starts changing and it, and it plays this song. Strange things are happening. How many knows what I'm talking about on Toy Story? Strange things are happening. What's happening is the room is shifting from Andy to Buzz. And Buzz is not happy. I mean, Andy, um, Woody is not happy about the change. Listen, what if God used me to get us so far and strange things started happening? And God used mad to take us to the next level. God, help me. Listen, the role of leadership is not necessarily like steel in a building, but more or less like water. It has to have fluid to it. Are you with me now? Sometimes the anointing's on me. Sometimes the anointing's on Matt. We have to realize that and not be offended because, hey, he got more oil on him tonight. We're all a team. And if one gets the oil, we all got the oil. So, ain't no way to pull off. Listen to this. The parable of the labors, landowner hires, uh, some towed it through the heat of the day. Those that come in at the midnight right there at the closing, they work for about 10 minutes and get the same pay. The ones that labored through the heat got upset. Huh? Listen, let's translate it in the church. Where were y'all at when we were praying 20 years ago? Listen, we part of your prayer. I mean, we, we got people that labored for 40 years and you get this, this crazy heroin addict named Todd White comes into kingdom and in seven years he's flipping the world upside down. What is, this is the last day's parable right here coming. He's coming at the closing hour. He's going to get the same pay. I'm just trying to hit some highlights here. There's so much in here when you get on this subject. Listen to this. I'm going to finish with this. Man, I, the time's I done used with 20 minutes. Matthew 25, story of the five, the story of the five talent. In the book, The Envy, the Enemy Within, if you've never read it, it's an awesome book, I promise you. I'm telling you it's good. It's, it's stellar good. Bob Sore gives the illustration out of Matthew 25 of each person given the five talents. You ever read the book, uh, Chris? You know what I'm talking about? He gives the story this. Listen, there's a one-talent person, there's a two-talent person, and there's a five-talent person. Most churches fear the five-talent person. The five-talent person can preach. Yeah, yeah, he can sing. He can play an instrument. He can prophesy. I mean, he almost looks like Lex Luger, but he ain't the total package. Listen here. The one-talent person, the one-talent person's got one thing that they're good at. The one-talent person doesn't fear the two-talent person. They can kind of run together. But if the five-talent shows up, what you'll have happen is they start standing their ground, especially on that stage. But here's the deal. God sends us the five talent to pull us to the next level. Are you with me? In, the, in, his, in his book, Bishop Bill Hammond, the day of the saints, wrote in that book, said that from his county he was at, he was the fastest, uh, he was the fastest cotton picker on foot that they had ever seen in that county. Well, he traveled uh, like... Uh, they moved or whatever, and he went to. Uh, when he got into the new county, there was a guy there that had, could beat him like twenty something sacks per day. And Bill Hammond said, "There's no way that this man can pick cotton. I'm the fastest it's ever been from our county. Well, you're not in Kansas anymore. How many knows we make it seem good here in Sparks? But if you go to Nashville, the girl serving your eggs at the Waffle House can haul it out." So here's the deal. So he started with his sack, and he started watching the other guy pick. And as he looked over, there was two or three things that that guy was doing different than he did. And so what that guy told him, he said, listen, if you'll be willing to adjust the way you pick cotton, by the end of the week you can match me. 
He said, within six days, he was picking the same amount of cotton that boy was. Listen, what God does is he brings that five-talent person in to get us to the next level. The, the decision is this, is simply, will I adjust my heart and be willing to glean? Listen, everybody wants Boaz, but before Boaz show up, you've got to be willing to glean in the field. You've got, you got to be content, willing to glean in the corner of the field. I preached for years with no pay and no recognition. But I was still preaching. You know what God wants to see first? Can you do it without a check? Can you do it without the attaboy? If you can do it without that, God will send the check and the attaboy. But you're going to have to go through a season where you're faithful like that. And so here's the deal. Jesus, Jesus will openly reward us for secret service. He will pour the blessing out on you right in front of us to, make us, make a, to check our own hearts and say, oh, my God. Man, listen, we see this all the time on a team. When one kid is promoted and the other kid is benched. I struggle. I'm, I'm being honest with you in this room. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I've never sat beside Catherine at a baseball field if my son got benched. So I'm so glad that he set him down this afternoon. Glory to God, he's going to get a rest. I read something the other night that contains the sport. It says this, it said, if you complain about the umpires, if you complain about the coaching, and you complain about the kids on your team, you have not ra- you're not raising an athlete, you're raising an excuse maker. Listen, what I have to do, I'm, I'm going to finish this, I've got to close it. Listen, all of us have gift and, gifts and talents. The most safe place for you is staying in the lane that God called you in. Now here's the deal. Let me finish with this. No one that listen, what we have one of the things that we've allowed to come into church is we taught that God's God's system was like tears. Well, because I'm a prophet, listen, look at the latest fad, uh, uh, apostles. Look how many people you go watch TV and there's apostle everybody on there. And I say this if you if you if you're leading and nobody's following you, you're not an apostle. You're out for a walk. God help us right here. Stay in the lane that God called you. Listen, God don't have, God don't have because I'm a pastor, I'm up here on this tier. And because you're a single mom trying to make ends meet, you're down here on this tier. If you obey God, if God's call on your life is to, is to stay at home, clean your house, make your home a house of peace and refuge, and to pray over your children, you've got the same reward that I'm going to get. And not only that, listen to me, you're going to have the same crown that Billy Graham has handled because you took what was faithful unto the Lord. And let me just say this, there's no greater call than our houses we got at home. Because if I can't make it right at the house, this will never be right. Come on, somebody. And what we've done is what we've allowed ministers to do is sacrifice what they have at the home just to keep this right. Gosh, help me right here, preach the gospel. My greatest assignment on earth is to love her as Christ loved the church and to raise my three boys in the admonition of the Lord. This is a byproduct of the relationship I have with him. Hello. So... My safety is to stay in the lane. Don't try to get up. Don't, don't, don't want what someone else has. Be excited about what you have. You're the only person who can do what you do. Celebrate that. Now, another thing that we have to do is we have to learn how to honor each individual gift. We don't just honor because you're a prophet. Man, there's so much you can preach right here, and I've got I to bring it to a close. Listen, but if you get your identity from your gift you will be forced to use your gift. That's good, ain't it? If you get your identity from being a prophet, you'll be forced to prophesy. But your identity don't come from your gift. Your identity comes from, you, from who you are. And we've done this in the church. We will, hand out, we will hand out gift tests to kind of see what you are. Listen, your gift doesn't determine who you are. Who you are determines your gifts. That's good. Get, your, who you are determines your gifts. But I don't get my identity from my gift. I get my identity from Him. 
That's why Jesus, he didn't get his identity from what he did. That's why he wasn't forced to prove a sign. He got his identity from his father. I'll reveal the sign when he says so, but I'm only doing what he says because you don't give me my identity. He gave me my identity. He gave me my identity when I went down into the water before I ever did anything, before I ever raised the dead, before I ever cast out a devil. He spoke from heaven and said, I'm his beloved son in whom he will please. So all I'm worried about is getting alone on that mountain with him. And when he says it's time for me to manifest, I'll manifest what he's got in me. But my identity's coming from him. Now, so, so listen, jealousy... Becoming jealous of one another. This is, I'm telling you, we all have. I listened to Chris Valentin uh, just a while back or whatever, and barely seldom do you hear him crying, but he was crying on this. It took him a long time. And what he was talking about is the things that he had to overcome. Because listen, we want a culture where everybody's great. Are y'all with me in this room? We do not want the culture where the man behind the pulpit is the greatest thing in the room. Now, I believe in honoring the man of God. Are you with me? We don't muzzle that ox while he's treading out the grain. He's worthy of double honor, but also you have to honor the people in this room. Because if you don't feel valued, what do you have? To, you won't never get up and bring nothing to the team because you don't feel valued that what you have is even worth anything. Listen, nobody, everybody in the room was overlooking the widow with two mice, but she was the one that God noticed. Are you with me? Everybody overlooked the young boy with a fish and a few loaves, but he had what they needed in that season. Are you with me? I'm telling you, some of you have what we need every Sunday to unlock the storehouse of heaven. It's not necessarily me. It's Andy running around the building. It's Audrey's testimony how God brought her through. Every person in the room has to be valued. And we want to develop a culture where everybody's honored that way. Where we're all great in the room. We all walk through the door like we're a bishop. So here's the deal. What we got to work on as the family, my job is to kill the jealousy in my heart. Are you with me? Kill the jealousy in my heart. God killed the envy in me. I don't want to be envious of what you have. Some people that seem to have a lot of stuff got a lot of headaches. <laughs> you ever seen the man on the lawnmower? When he's on the commercial, whatever, he's talking about he lives in the country club. Are you with me? I got a nice vehicle. I got a nice house. I've been dead up to my eyeballs. Somebody please help me. God wants us as a unit. Listen, I'm, I hope you hear me. This is the only thing I'm trying to get us to do. I, I'm, every time I pray, God, help us to become a unit. And I'm telling you, there's things in our hearts that, what, that depend on me that I have to overcome. I can't become jealous of you. And here's the deal. This is the deal. It boils down to this because I've seen it. I've heard this preached. Harry, Harry tell you he's heard it preached. I've heard it preached where we want to see the generation outrun us. But I've never seen yet a people that is willing to model that really besides Bethel. Because usually when that person begins to outrun them, the next thing that happens is they begin to sabotage the anointing on that person's life. Because now I feel threatened that he's going to take more than me. But what we got to have is the heart of John. When, when his disciples came back to John and said, man, Jesus is baptizing more people than us. What did John say? Hey, listen, I told you, I, I'm not he, but the one that was coming after me. That's, you need to leave me right now and get with him. That's what I've came my life is to point towards him. Are you with me? This is the, this is the heart that we're, that we're excited about the success of one another. We, we, we're here to wave each other on, not to hold each other back. We're to fan the flame. Are you with me? Hang around people that pour gas on your dreams. Are you with me? That fuel them and pour water to out the fear in your life. And so we overcome this. And as we overcome these things or whatever, that we get rid of the envy, learn how to deal with offense. This is the greatest thing I'm telling you. If we could get, I'm telling you right now, if you get those two things right there, if, including the one holding the mic, and we get, learn how to get it in our marriage, that we don't hold offense. Anybody else married in this room? Get in an argument, you pull something to happen back in 1962. You remember the summer of 62 was on vacation, you did that? You never forgave. Because listen, forgiveness restores us back. Forgiveness restores us to the places if we've never done it. So it sets my record straight. So the next time you get in an argument... Huh? 
you can't pull up the summer of 1962 because you said you forgave me. That I restored after that. I know I did it in 1963 and 1964 and 65 and 66. But you released me of it and all the previous. Okay? So what we're going to do, we're going to learn how to, we're going to learn how to, when we're offended. Listen, the next thing is this. Listen, let's don't be a group of people that wear our feelings on our sleeves. My God, come on now. We got to get bigger than this. Are you with me? Now listen, if you've been in the church five years, I expect you not running around in diapers. We don't mind we don't mind giving a pacifier and a bottle at the front door to the new beginner. But now we ain't picking no 20-year-old up putting a pacifier in the mouth. Let's get bigger than this. Don't wear it on our shoulders. When we when we feel it hit, go to them right then. If you're mad and ticked off, give yourself 24 hours to calm down. Listen, if we love one another, love covers a multitude of sin. I said if we love one another, love covers a multitude of sin, and it doesn't seek its own. It doesn't seek its own. Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for the family we're becoming. I thank you for everything that you're doing in this area, this region. Lord, I thank you for the vision that is just coming together in this place. I thank you for a basketball court being installed where these teenagers can go out there and hear the gospel preached and run out there and shoot hoops. I thank you for that little, it may look like a little boat to these people, but Lord, it means something to me. It's big to me. And Lord, it's, it's, it's something for these kids to climb on. They're climbing on a vision. Things are moving in this place. God, I feel it, Lord. I feel the trembling right now underneath my feet of the kingdom of heaven beginning to shake and rattle this region and this area with the goodness of God. Lord, I thank you for the family that you're building in this place, that it's not phony, it's not fake. It's real-life community, real-life exchange of deep friendship and deep community with one another, Father. I thank you for that, God. I thank you that our walls are coming down. Life is flowing out of each other into each other. I thank you that bone is coming to bone and joint is coming to joint and every ligament in each place is beginning to supply and receive, God. I thank you for the blessing of God upon our lives, Lord. And Father, tonight we give you praise, honor, and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.